not hard like we said so i do like well, whoever see this interview i don't wait to feel like if i have this shit figured out like yeah i'm not attached to the he have his shit figured out you don't study him hi everyone i'm aruna and most of you guys know me as a makeup artist and beautician but today i'm here to introduce you to one of my new projects which is a podcast and talk show called soul beauty It aims to bridge the gap between mind, body and soul and redefine beauty as something that shines from within. Here we dive deep into the stories of our guests to inspire and uplift through simple conversation. I hope that this platform inspires you to explore and expand parts of yourself so that you can really tap into your highest potential. If you're interested in living more mindfully and more consciously, then be sure to check it out. Welcome to the first episode of Soul Beauty and I am so excited to introduce you to our first guest. He is a friend and somebody that I really really admire. Let's give it up for Mohammed. You don't think it. <laughs> hey. I'm glad to be here. So Mohammed, mm-hmm. you know what you're here for. We're here to talk a little bit, get to know you a little better and honestly you are one of the most inspirational people that i know yeah and i kind of want to know how you've become so powerful in your not just in your craft not just in your art but in the way you see life um i think i have to go all the way back to to my beginnings right so i i was born into a very militant brand of islam that uh gave me a very specific relationship to the world and to god um and as i got older i think i kind of i really rebelled like anybody who's looking for something beyond what they were given right because i don't believe it could be given the truth um someone can present you with what they've learned and when you're younger you accept those things you know whether it be christianity islam whatever atheism but as you get older if if you have to find a truth you have to find that truth right and oftentimes finding the truth is to reject everything that you've been told that is true about life or whatever and in that journey also losing people who are near and dear to you i would say you know pain is 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 this thing that carves space inside of us for love to reside right you know love is a lot more like this pain is coming and just kind of scrape you out and then if you're strong enough love comes and fills that space and heals you you know and that process happens over and over again so i think I've just been presented with a lot of opportunities um to become and some of them I stepped up to and became others I stepped back from and still became you know what I mean so when would you say was the turning point or when would you at what age did you feel like okay this doesn't feel right I have to figure things out on my own I don't think it was about that it didn't feel right. Like, you know, like I just had on like, no, Islam is not for me or whatever. It, I, it wasn't that. It, I remember I was about mm, 12 years old, 11 years old. My father's a, a debt collector. So there were always weird things coming in the house, right? So sometimes you just have like five TVs sitting around random in the living room. A car would just show up. This time, um about six boxes of books showed up, right? I'm a real avid reader. Uh much more than anybody else in my family at the time other than my elder sister. And 
I was like, yeah, just go through these books. And in those books, I met, um, I met Carlos Gibran in those books. And I didn't know language could be used like that. I didn't know people spoke that way and I'd never read anything like that. But in those books, I also found a book on Egyptian mythology and Egyptian religion, right? Um, and there was a, a very small part about the story of Set, Isis, and Osiris. And that another name for Set was Setan or Satan. Hmm. And coming from a Muslim background where we were told, you know, all of these other religions were just pagan religions. Here was something older than Islam that had the same name for what I called the devil, Satan, Shaitan. All these things with these, and it, it, at that age, it kind of blew my mind. I realized, okay, the world is a little bit wider than I thought. Um, at that point, I kind of ran from it. I was like, oh, it's too much, you know, let me just stay where I am. But it always stayed with me, you know. And I think that that's like a pinpoint at which a lot just kind of reverberated out from there. Um, and even though I didn't go in depth at that point, um, I became interested in more than what I was taught. What do you say to somebody who says that we are in a time where we are seeing the demise or the destruction of organized religion? I've always said I believe that religion is um, a manifestation of the downfall of man's conscience, right? Could you repeat that? Religion is a manifestation of the downfall of man's conscience. Because if your conscience is strong, you don't really need anybody to tell you how to live, how to treat your neighbor, what to do. Having 10 commandments is like you have a child and a little child will go and knock over this bottle. Knowing, right? Like, I'm supposed to do that. Yeah. As you get older, you know, there's no reason to destroy these things. They are of value. Having a God have to tell you, thou shalt not kill? Nah, something wrong. That we have to institute these things. We don't know that and we but should then, though but we do because a little child will come and he will just pinch another child and the other child starts to cry and then the other little child starts crying too and running away because he knows he's in trouble because why you're like a one-year-old what are you doing you know we know so if you know not to pinch somebody by the time you're one year old i think you know not to report somebody's throat by the time you're 24. but then we get socialized into that so now man came together and said oh well majority of you are not gonna behave decently so these are the rules. These are the rules, you know? So Islam says... Don't Follow it or else. Right. Islam says don't drink alcohol. Maybe 75% of mankind could drink their alcohol and be cool and have like a two beers or whatever and go home and... But that 25% gonna mess up everybody else. So Islam comes in and says, fire one all earlier, don't drink no alcohol, don't gamble, no sex before yeah. marriage, no whatever, whatever. Yeah. But do those pathways fit for everyone? Yes, they will work in a way for everyone, if everyone sticks to them. But are those pathways allowing everyone to live their fullest lives? Is everyone going to manifest their greatest self through those pathways? And that's why I think, you know, people should be free to choose whatever they have to choose. So we're living in a time where um, information is so readily available that people are not buying into the bullshit as easily anymore. You know, back in the day, the church used to paint these huge frescoes on the, on the church walls and things about hell and disruption. So people come into the church, they would see these things and they would get so scared, they would listen to what the preacher has to say. And I, I remember um, Louis Farrakhan saying one time, people have passed the point um, of fear in God. You can't motivate people by the fear of God anymore. You know, um, it's beyond that. That is one of the things that, that kind of bugged me as well. The 
the follow this or else, mm-hmm. the punishment aspect. But if God is love, and I think that is one commonality amongst most religions, mm-hmm. is that God is love, then why would God punish you? you yeah, know? but for me, even when I think about that, the aspect of punishment, it's like whatever made us, made us to learn by failing, right? The essence of human learning is to fail. That's how you learn. You didn't just get up and walk. You get up, you fall down. Get up, fall down. Boss your face, boss your knee, all kind of madness. Every single thing we learn, we don't understand it at first. We do badly at it. Then we do a little better. Then we're really great. Sometimes we're naturally good at something, but even then we have to learn. You know, we, we fail. Why would you make me to fail and penalize me for failing? It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You understand? And so there's a kind of joy in that for me. It's a joy in the discovery of that fact. It means that I just loved. The more flawed I am, as long as I am attempting to be better, you know what I mean? And even when I am not attempting to be better, I'm still learning something. I'm still being observed. I'm still being loved. So I'm really interested in the other narrative. Would you say that love is one of the more, more powerful messages that comes through your music? Yeah, it's all about love. It's all about the frequency of love. I mean... That's the only thing that heals. Everything else is, you know. Do you think, though, that love could push people away? Go into that. Well, I've had experiences where in my mind Mm -hmm. and in my choices within myself, I think that I'm doing the right thing by loving. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm loving. Mm -hmm. But I realized that sometimes... Some people aren't ready to receive it in the way that I think is best to give it. Right. And then it, I almost see, see them running away. Well, you know, as far as humans and love go, right? <laughs> <laughs> love, is, love, is a, love is an indescribable thing for us. So what you describe in there is you making lime juice and trying to give somebody, right? You like it. You think it's good lime juice. And the person might take a sip and be like, oh, this is really good, but... It's not, there's no such thing as the lime juice. There's no love from you and love from me. There's just love, right? But then we have our little riffs on it, like if it's jazz in a way, right? And we try to give it to the world in, in, in different ways, but it just doesn't, it often doesn't work out because the purity of it, simply because of how we are, who we are, we inevitably corrupted with desire, with attraction, with all these different things when it's beyond all of that. It's not something that we can actually describe, which is why, a lot of people say God is love. These are two things that have no beginning, no end, no opposite, no, you know what I mean? And it's stuff we could just sit down and ponder on for a long time. So you might say, I love this person and they're not accepting the love in the way I want to give it to them. Well, it's not for them. Yeah. But can you still love them if they don't accept the love in the way you want to give it to them? Because if you can't, then it wasn't love you're trying to give them. Um, it was. How are you? learn all these things like you just figure this out on your own like busting man real time yeah real busted real busted would you say you've been through uh your heart has broken a lot of times i have this break every day and make back every day and fall in love every day and all them things and you mean that yeah no for real like as a storyteller as somebody who carries the stories of my people you know you're always creating these things in your head so you see people and you see somebody lying on the street and to everybody else they just pass them by it you know, but you think to yourself, well, this was a baby at one point. And you could see him. You could see her. This is a baby. Somebody held this child and 
people loved this child and invested their dreams in this child and then this child got older and whatever. And at some point they, they, they encountered a problem that they couldn't surmount and they tried and they fell way down and people tried to help them and then it didn't work out and they fell again and again and again and they fell to the point where they, they refused to get up again. And then you see them sleeping on the street and that breaks my heart because I think about my own father, I think about my nieces, my nephews, I think about my sisters and I think, you know, because they are closest to me. Mm -hmm. So now I can feel the emotion of what someone would feel for that, for that person, you know, and yeah, every day, every day. But then in the same instant, you walk down the road and you see a little child laughing, eating some ice cream, ice cream all over their face, whatever. And to this person, sugar is new. Cream is new. The crunch of the cone is new. The coldness of the ice cream on their tongue is new. They just light up. You've had ice cream a million times. It don't mean none to you. But you could share in those experiences if you're open to them, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Just every day. Wow. And now we take a pause to thank our wardrobe sponsor, J&K Signature Styles. Outfitting the Caribbean professional. Did you hear that? I think that's the sound of some sweet beets and healthy juices. Giving gratitude for our sponsor, the Sweet Beet Juice Company. I think for me, I'm just like now discovering that, as you rightfully said, love has no beginning and no end. It's not something that could really be defined. Mm -hmm. And I've come from a generation that... Is that, I, call, I call it like the mind generation. The mind? Mind, meaning mm -hmm. that I think a lot of us kind of start to question everything. I know a lot of people that question religion, question conditioning, mm -hmm. question things that they were taught and the whole process of unlearning and relearning. And for me, it was always about what is right and what is wrong and how was the right way to love or the wrong way to love. Yeah, yeah. You know, and really overthinking it rather than just letting it flow. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? How do you, how do you save yourself from yourself and stop blocking yourself from just being? Yeah, I think um, it was important. Because you're so good at it. Sport, you know, like this. Uh-huh. Right, and anybody who watching do the same thing. Let's look at this hand, right? Mm -hmm. So we know for a scientific fact that the patterns and designs on this hand have never existed before mm. and they'll never be replicated again. Now think about that in terms of all the patterns that exist everywhere. Like this doesn't exist anywhere. Not, not just on human hands. Eh? Or like, on, or like the on print trees, on a butterfly. All those things. They don't exist. So all of, so, so something is taking its time to create individual things, right? It doesn't have to do that. As a matter of fact, if nature tends towards the easiest part, the part of this resistance, then really it should just be making squares, right? And just, right. but something took the time to make the equation, to make everything Beautiful different, right? And, and if that thing took that time to make you unique, you'll never, you have never existed. You will never exist again. This is it, right? I mean, in this form, right? Who you are is immortal and will always exist. But this form that you've been given, in this time you've been given, is never going to happen again, right? There's a Greek philosophy that says no, ma no man steps into a river twice because either he has changed or the river has changed, right? And it's, just, it's the exact same thing. So when you stop to consider, wait, Sesame Street say, there is only one me. There's, there's one, one. I'm one of one. Mm -hmm. Then I know then at that point, I have to give what I have to give. Mm 
I can't give what my mother come to give or my father come to give. And they cannot tell me, even if they try, College Gibran says your children are not your children. They are a manifestation of life's longing for itself. So even if they try to tell you, this is what you have to give to the world. So many times we see parents want a lawyer, they want a doctor, they want a whatever. I'm almost sure this has happened to you. They want this, they want that, they want that, they want that. But the child just fights them, fights them to the point where sometimes the bond is severed. Because that's how strong the desire of the human to be, to become what they're supposed to be. Because something took the time to make something unique. So that something unique could be given to the world. Because really and truly, you know, as many cultures believe, we are all just apertures through which the greater understanding, the greater being is looking through, wanting to experience different things, right? There's a philosopher called Alan Watts who says, really the, the most, the greatest sin you could commit in creation is to be boring. Because the creator wants to experience all these different things and it makes you so you can experience something else. So that is where your power lies as far as I'm concerned. There's no other me. So when I come to sing, nobody never heard my voice before unless I try to sound like John Legend, right? Right. In which case, we've heard John Legend and we will not pay him much mind because we hear that already. But then you come with your little scratchy voice or whatever. That is, I mean, when you listen to someone like Nina Simone, Nina Simone... Most people think it's a man who don't know it's Nina Simone. They think she's a man when they hear her sing, you know. And Nina went on to be one of the greatest writers of our time. Nina has affected generations and will affect generations to come. But somebody probably told her that she didn't have a nice voice at some point in time. But she was Nina, you know. And I'm Muhammad. And you? Aruna. <laughs> you spoke about human form, right? Mm -hmm. And... So that stems from the, the belief that we are all, as you said, a manifestation or a lens through which the divine is experiencing the world. Right. And if we are in this body, then there's no other way or vehicle through which the divine can experience this world other than through ourselves. Well... Yeah, I mean, in the human form. But right now, the divine is experiencing the world through a concrete wall, through an air condition, through lights, through a camera, through beet juice. Yeah. You know, because that beet in that juice never thought in life that he would ever get mixed with pineapple ginger. Like, you come and get put in a glass bottle and be drunk by Aruna. That's right. the only beat within this moment that's not going to happen to. It's never going to happen again for that beat. And we might not want to believe it, but everything in that bottle is having an experience. That you can't fathom, but everything in that bottle is having a, a real amazing a divine experience, right? Like, how do you think you're going to eat an apple, right? That apple is made up of what? Some water from the clouds that probably came from a lake somewhere that you don't even know. Yeah. And some starches and some, like, all kinds of different things make up this apple, right? And it's climbing up through the chain and eventually a human being eats it. And then the apple becomes a part of the human heart, mm -hmm. right? Some sugar in that apple becomes a part of the human heart yeah. or whatever, protein it's in a muscle, whatever. Moving. Right. And it's all wanting to experience. So not just in the human form, but in every single cell, living, organic, inorganic, every, everything. There's nothing that is. What isn't. would you say to someone who says that you're you're talking mumbo jumbo? And how could how could a fruit experience or um, you know, even people who say that they don't really feel for animals or sentient beings if they're not sentient beings and they don't feel 
what would you say to somebody who thinks that this is this is not real right. what would you say to them so when you ask the question of what would you say it often it's kind of read of you know how would you convince yeah. but i not no no not to convince yeah no. i would say to them you're right <laughs> from where you stand i'm talking mumbo jumbo because you have you know, um, I watched this interview with Tyler, the creator recently, and he was talking about reference points. You don't have the reference points to understand what I'm saying. So someone might listen to my music and say, this music is trash. He's right. To him. Wow. Because he's listening to whatever he's listening to all day. And that's what he considers good. Now, what I would challenge the person on is, what have you read? Right? Um, what are you listening to? What are you eating? Where's what are the back people, in? What are people mm -hmm. that you're around, right? Mm -hmm. I would just challenge you on those things. So when you go now and you experience something wider, so you're, you're saying that what I'm saying is mumbo jumbo, but have you read Khalil Gibran? Not as, oh, I've read Khalil Gibran. Have you read? No. Have you have experienced you? this thing, yeah. right? That could possibly widen you. And if it did widen you, you might come back and have a different view. So I'm not, you know, Farrakhan said vanity. I mean, I'm conversion is vanity. You're trying to convert anybody to your way of thinking. I don't care if you believe what I believe. I fully do, right? In your moment is mumbo jumbo. I agree with you. In your moment, you know what I mean? A point might come in your life, or it may not, where you, you see what I was saying. Yeah. I admire your ability to not take offense and mm. to even say, oh, you don't like my music? You think what I'm talking is mumbo jumbo? You're right. Your ability to say it to <laughs> That's somebody. That's not easy though. It's not easy because sometimes. It's not easy because, because there's be accepted, so much right? attachment to our beliefs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had to throw that away because like when we started doing music, on one hand you're saying I want to give the people this music and I want it to be beautiful and whatever, whatever. But there's this little part of your brain that's going, I want 5 million views on YouTube. I want a hundred million. I want to get signed to a label. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want to be biggest filmmaker in the world. I want to be a model. I want to this, I want to that. Not me, but like in general, right? Yeah. If you don't get to a point where you believe what your ass is saying, then you're going to go mad, right? You're going to go mad because if you consistently get 5 million views on your, on your, on your YouTube, what do you want? 10 million. If you consistently get 10 million views, what do you want? A hundred million. Right? If you have a hundred followers, what you want? Two hundred. If you have a thousand, what you want? Two. It don't stop. But Mali said too, numbers is numbers, it's numbers, it's happiness. Then then when is that gonna end? So you have to find something in yourself that is your own gratification, dread. And that's not easy. That's something that you have to go back and forth with because there are times when you want to see exponential growth. You want to see yourself, you know what I mean? You don't want to keep driving the same car or living in the same apartment. You want to own a house. You want to this, you want to that. But it's the battle between knowing I am enough, but it's okay to want more. But I am enough. And also you're not defined or attached to the outcome of the wanting more. Yeah. Yeah. And not hard, like we sit down. I don't like well, whoever see this interview. I don't wait to feel like if I have this shit figured out, like yeah, I'm not attached to the he outcome. We have this shit figured out. Literally, you don't study him. I am attached to the outcome. <laughs> you are 20 times, a lot it, of times. It does not show the moment. No, because in my quiet moments, and then with the people who are around me, I'm constantly reminded, relax, my brother, just relax, yeah. it will be okay. And I have that support system, and then I go back to my mentors a lot of whom are dead, and I read their books, and I listen to them talk, and I realize, okay, all right, you got this. It's okay. You do your little meditation in the morning, you do it wherever you try to connect to source all the time. 
but it's not easy like that. You Connect know? to source. Mm. What does that What does that mean to you? Doubles. Uh, double. um, <laughs> you just said doubles. <laughs> yes, yeah, source. Uh, source doubles. I get it. Connect to source. What yeah. it mean to me? Um, like if you, let's say you you were to have some um, alone time in the morning and you decide to connect to source, what would that be? What would that look like for you? Yeah. Um, and feel like. So I guess I guess sent here, right? And this is the spaceship I got, right? When we are born, the thing that we are taught to do is to identify with this. I right. am Indian. I am. I am mixed. I am, I am female, black. I am Chinese. I'm a makeup artist. I'm, right. Uh, right. So, so you get all and it's just more definitions of, of 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 attachment to the spaceship. Attach, attach, attach yourself, and so you go from not understanding any of that to being five foot six Muslim. 30-something years old, musician, brown skin, gray hair, beard, blah, 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 all that. And then forgetting that inside of you is literally like the the material that God is made of. You are a piece of God, like a part of it now. So connecting to source is doing whatever makes me remember I am a divine being. And, uh, and we say that so much, it becomes kind of cliche now, but dread, I am divinity itself. So whatever reminds me of that, whether it be going to by the sea, diving, making love, whatever it is in those moments. So it's not something where, for some people, it might be crossing your legs, sitting on a yoga mat and closing your eyes or whatever. Right. For somebody else, it's rolling a spliff and any moment are rolling that spliff. They're going into a meditative zone or whatever. Right. Might be burning some, might be playing even, football. Even singing. Might, well, definitely singing for me. Yeah. It might be tending to your plants. It might be for some people. There's so many things for some people yeah. that will connect them to source, right? Yeah. So it's not, again, it's removing this idea that religion sometimes gives. And even those who, who abscond from religion and say, nah, I'm not on that. But they create another way that they say is the way. If you think you found your way, then, it's, then obviously it's not your way, right? They have, they have infinite ways. So connecting the source, for me, water, right? I need to be in very, very deep water. I need to dive, holding my breath, um, being around my family, you know, especially of late, reconnecting with my family. I think if I were to define, not that you're interviewing me or anything, but if I were to define... <laughs> When, if I were to connect to source within myself, when I do, well, one, I think it's supposed to be automatic and throughout, mm -hmm. but we are having a human experience and we are on a journey. Yeah. So I think for me, it feels more like absolute presence mm -hmm. and knowing that I'm presence, right. present in whatever I'm doing. Yeah. And... It, it's associated with a centered feeling yeah, like a uh, yeah like it's a, it, i can't explain it but yeah. it's it's something yeah, yeah, yeah. and and i know and i've practiced enough to know now whenever i can feel when i lose balance when i lose that center so yeah. for instance with the pandemic i've 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 slowed down so much and i'm happy that i did and i told myself that i'm not going to go back to the fast pace you know, energize a bunny, headless chicken, kind of, that is how I was. I literally, there was probably a year or two at a time where I went seven days a week, mm -hmm. just working. And on Monday, today is Wednesday, on Monday, I had a day 
where I realized, I got back to the office. I was on the road all day. I had a shoot. I had stuff to pick up, errands to run. Got back in the office around 3.30 p.m. And it only then hit me that I hadn't taken a bathroom break. I hadn't had lunch yet. I hadn't have, had water. And I told myself that I wasn't going to go to that place again. Mm-hmm. But it happened, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And all I wanted, I didn't know, and nobody really gets it, but all I wanted was to just sit and, and tell myself, Aruna, you know where to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get back there. Yeah, solid. You know, mm-hmm. and I really hope and pray that everybody can find that space within themselves. The, un- the unfortunate thing is that the majority of us uh, we're not even taught that that space exists in us because the attachment is so great, right? So there's a level of privilege that you have, that I have, um, where we are we are not in survival mode. I know what it is to be in survival mode, right? I've come from that place. Um, I think I have come from generations of survival mode and they said, you know, you can't self-actualize while you're in survival mode. And what you are talking about there is actualization, right? You're, you're knowing that you are greater than the hustle and the bustle. For some people, the hustle is just what it is, yeah. you know? And that's why I was so um, careful to speak about centering as not just some meditative activity that you can only find on a yoga mat or something. But for some people, that's why it is, you know, smoking a spliff, rolling a spliff, walking from city gate to home or walking through town, you know, I think the, 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 the difference is learning to recognize those moments. Yeah. That there is a place I come to where I feel um, at home, at mm-hmm. peace, you know, um, whether it be on the basketball court or wherever. And that I could return to that place all the time. Um, and I think, you know, if it's something that we could teach our people more than anything, it would be that, that you, you are home. Yes. You know? And, you and it's not somewhere outside yourself or something outside yourself. But that's a real difficult lesson to learn. It's a lesson that you have to learn over and over and over and over. You never truly get it. At least, I mean... Well, I, I mean, you know, I've read it, eh? That your first home is your body. Mm-hmm. This is where you reside. It's your only home. You're so right. You're so right. You're talking about privilege. Mm-hmm. And... Clearly, we've had a lot of privilege. Mm. And for me, on my journey so far, I know within myself that I've experienced a lot of guilt Mm. um, for having opportunities Mm -hmm. to be exposed to knowledge in in a way that a lot of people weren't. Um, Not just inside of Trinidad, but I mean in the world, right? Have you experienced any guilt from privilege and how did you deal with it? <laughs> I live around I live around sufferers and I I move out of my area yet. So my thing is, yeah, I, I, I have I know I'm privileged, but my privilege is always aimed at trying to help those who were who are where I was. So think of it like let's say that birds were sentient in the way that we are, right? And some birds came into a tree to to, to nest for the night. Some birds landed at the top. And some birds landed in the lower branches. Mm. Now, in the lower branches, there's the risk of the snakes getting them. There's a lot of things that happen in the lower branches that do happen in the upper branches. Those up there, they're safe, right? Do the birds, does it benefit the birds in the bottom branch? 
for the birds up there to sit down and feel guilty because they've landed on the top doesn't if those birds have the ability to to like send down some vines or make room where they are or alternate the sleeping arrangements from or day open to up day their wings and create more. something yeah. understanding that your guilt don't do shit for yes. nobody is where it begins right mm -hmm. so there's a lot of people who i know because of the circles i get to mix in now who they feel guilty right but your guilt is not doing anything a lot of people who want to come and want to give a little hamper and you get to every now and then. What people need is economic empowerment. People need is, to, is the opportunities and the ladders and the causeways and pathways out of their situations. Mm -hmm. They don't need guilt. How would you say your relationship with social media is these days? I came off. I'm off of social media right now. Everything. Delete everything. How long? Um, how long now? About nine days. Um, I mean, a, a, a great mentor of mine said... Um, to lead them, you have to leave them. And he said, as, as the artist, you have to visit the whole house, but don't sleep because to sleep is to dream. Um, Instagram is noise by the nature of it, right? You could try to streamline your feed. You could do all these different things, but the dopamine hit, the constant check-in, you know. As an artist, I need time for my ideas to ruminate. I need to see something interesting and not run to post on my stories because I want other people to see it. You know what I mean? I need to not be concerned about certain things. And I felt, I felt like I was being robbed of something very vital. So I need to figure out what it is I'm giving up and decide what are my terms and conditions for giving up this part of myself. It cannot just be to get more followers. It cannot just be, you know what I mean? Um, because I will be sustained outside of the platform. And I'm worried about sustenance. Yeah. Yeah. So what am I doing? And that's my question right now. That's my, that's my bit of, of, of my journey. You know, I want to rebalance myself. So let's, let's see what I'm Yeah, I think, um, I think all of us, every single one of us, should be so mindful of our relationship with social media. As you rightly said, it, it, it could present this. We lose ourselves. We lose ourselves scrolling and scrolling and consuming the media. And it is affecting our consciousness subliminally yeah. whether we knew it or not it's there and as you said you could try to clean up your feet all you want you could unfollow you could have your algorithm working for you to only have your you know certain things coming up but at the same time the time that we spend i love that you use the word noise because i literally that's a word that i've been using a lot recently to describe like the distractions around me because even doing this podcast is and this talk show is something that I wasn't sure if it's something that I wanted to do yeah. and the thing about it is I had to quiet the noise around me including social media to be able to come back to, to listen yeah. you know and there's there's a lot of voices that are above other ones and I think um we're witnessing a kind of hypersexualization as well that I really, right. I really interested in. I really interested in. But I feel like we even have time for that conversation. Because, yeah. yeah, if I start getting into that, then I got to explain it fully because people want to chew you out in that way. Because yeah. a lot of times now, sexuality and open sexuality is equated with freedom. And those two things couldn't be further apart in that way. But we won't get into that right now. I get DM me if you want to talk okay, about Okay, yeah. Man, man, I mean, I don't want to get into it too, but I am a girl and I am feeling what you're saying right now. So I do want to say, I get it. Like, I feel like I see it, meaning that I see the over-sexualization that's happening that is associated with women empowerment. Mm -hmm. 
my body, my choice. If I want to show off, if I want to make money for my body, like and, I and, get and, it. And the thing is, for me, they're right, right? Yeah. All that is right. Yeah. The problem becomes when that is now the seemingly the only mode of empowerment. Now, again, as a man, I'm not trying to police nobody and say what should be or what yeah, shouldn't yeah, be, yeah. right? People are entitled to their own experience. But when I notice the algorithm pushing a singular narrative, and I know that that algorithm is a capitalist algorithm, it is built to, to access, to gain funds, to make things more popular so people can access power through this thing to make money mm -hmm. for somebody, mm -hmm. then I have to ask myself, you know, why no matter how hard I try, girls with bikinis keep showing up on my on my thing, right? <laughs> no matter how much I go and I unfollow these accounts and I, and, and, and like, you know, wow. you follow certain hashtags and whatever, and you say to yourself, I'm going to make an effort to not see this content. Right. I don't want to see this, right? Um, I love the female body like any other man. But I remember two carnival, well, the last carnival, um, walking through town, carnival before that, walking through town with my girlfriend, um, through, and I just said, I turned to her at one point and I was like, mm. I can't see no more ass. Like, I, yes. I, I real good. Like, the as last a, like, right? carnival was the first time I've seen so many thongs. Just thongs, right? And the thing just is, thongs. again, I'm going to be real clear because I know people want to jump on me for this. I'm not policing women's bodies. Yeah. People are free to do what they want. I'm speaking as me, Muhammad mm -hmm. Muwakil. I know what I need for my optimum existence. And I do not need that level of sexual interaction every day. I don't need it. We interrupt this program to give thanks to our amazing furniture sponsor, Modern Living by Fens. We are so pleased to announce that this episode is now available on Digicel's apps, Go Loud and Playgo. Download now. I walk these streets alone with my worries. Uh, if you're looking for me, then I'm sorry. I'll be gone in the morning. All that's a ballin' is fire, fire. Yeah! That was a very poor rendition, but good. Well, the reason why I ask you to say that one is because we were talking about having a human experience yeah. and being in this human form. Yeah, but the part of human form for me, if we're going to discuss that, says, I'm okay in my human form. That's just the calm before the storm. In my head, it keeps raging on. Oh, my brother, can you hear the sound? Many years ago, I had a dream. I sold my dream so I could eat. Now I've eaten and I am full. I lost my soul and gained the world. Yeah, it's yeah. so sweet, huh? When you're creating and putting these lyrics together, right? Do you think about how it's going to be received by the audience? Or do you just put it together on how you feel? It's a little bit of both. But it has much to be. Less, but much less thinking of how it's going to be received, received. right? And more of... And especially that wording of, that wording of how it's going to be received. Um... My, my, my quality check in terms of how it's going to be received is me feeling the music itself, right? The music has much more to do with how it's going to be received than anything I'm saying. So the music has way more to do. People feel the music first, the majority of people. Me, I hear words all the time. I hear words first, but the majority of people feel the music first. So as long as the music checks out, and that's not really my department fully, that's 
the producers, as Lude, as whoever else. And as far as the words, um, a lot of it is really just kind of inspiration. And then I and all afterwards will sit down and listen to it. The other day I'm passing somewhere and I hear feel the love and the line, love is life and life is love. It, for some reason it's stuck in my head and I'm driving home and I just saying, love is life and life is love. Love is life and life. And by the time I was almost home, I was in tears because I'm thinking about what I mean. What I mean. Right? And in that moment, you know, it's not you patting yourself on the back or saying, I write something amazing. It is something passed through me that I didn't even really consider. Now I have to be more careful with what I'm saying or how I'm saying it or, you know, just listen to myself more with certain things, you know? Um, yeah. It's definitely not an exact science in some ways. In other ways, it is. I think for me, that was one of the things that I had to battle with in anything that I put out. Mm -hmm. um, whatever form of art it is, whether it be makeup products, makeup services, podcasts, whatever, right? I kept thinking more about how is this going to be received by the audience or by the client or right. by the customer as opposed to what am I doing and my intention and yeah. how I feel about it. There's a quote. Um, Henry Ford said, if I, as the, the maker of the, the modern automobile or the, well, he created the factory streamline to create modern automobiles. He said, if I had asked my people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Mm. I always stick to that. Right. He made the car mm -hmm. at that time. There were horses. They wanted to move faster. Mm -hmm. If I had sat down and I said, what do you want? They would have said, we want, yeah, go and breed faster horses. They could not conceive that there was a thing that would outpace the horse yeah. a million times over, right? Yeah. And damn near half destroy the planet too. But, um, but made life a lot easier. But made life a lot easier for other people. So I always default to that statement when I'm thinking about creating something that I feel is way outside of the confines of where I am at the point in time. Um, I think something may be coming through me that people need that they don't know they need. I think that is the secret of really changing the world. You know, that is the secret of true innovation. I suppose. Thinking outside the box. No box. What box? Wah! What box? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have a surprise for you. Oh, God. I am going to show you some pictures. You have to look here. How long ago was this? 2013. Okay. This was three years after, about two and a half years after Freetown actually formed. So mm -hmm. you see in us in like, very early days, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I look much different. A little more gray in the beard. Chronics had just come out. This is his first performance, his first international performance. It was what? the first time he ever performed anywhere other than in Jamaica. So he came to Trinidad and we performed alongside Chronics when he came. Um, this was in the, in the studio that we were resident in at the time. This is in Trinidad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, in, nice. in the studio in, um, where's that studio boy? Right there in, 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 in Woodbrook. Okay. Uh, how is it? How is he? How is he? How is Chronix? That was a real brief meetup. I don't know. That was a brief meeting. You didn't get a chance you. to interact yeah, much. No, All I right. Who is that? Wow. <laughs> You're going to kill me. <laughs> wow. That's a poet. That's a poet. That's a poet. This is um literally about three o'clock in the morning in Belmont filming a, a video for a poem called 4 a.m. Okay. Um, Do you remember any parts, any verse that you want to share with us? I remember the whole damn thing, but I mean... Share, share a nice um, verse. It's not, there's nothing but, nice about that poem. What? <laughs> How could something not be nice? Amen. 
I still alive. Belmont didn't take my life last night. I jump up twice out of my sleep. I thought a man was in my house. Because where I'm from, we don't sleep easy. And this house is just granny and me. And she always afraid somebody go teach she things, but it's really she life she afraid for. Go back in your bed, son. The sun is start rising. Gosh, granny, you're writing. But son, it's half past one. No, granny, it's 4 a.m. Can't you smell the blood? Can't you hear that one persistent dog that has been barking since yesterday? The bitch just happy to be alive this morning. Instead of barking, I praying, because I understand exactly what our dog feeling. You wrote those words. Yeah. Tell me what this says. <laughs> <laughs> That is me picking up a stone for my grandmother to, to grind pelt. seasoning, to grind seasoning, <laughs> right? And the river stone on them to grind seasoning. Um, my ex at the time, my girlfriend at the time would have taken this picture. Big up, Sunny. Okay. Um, this was in mermaid, mermaid pools as they're going up Celebia. Okay. That was a real nice day. That yeah. Was a, that was a beautiful day. Even I look back at these pictures and I don't think I ever looked like that. They're like, you know. All right. This one. Wow. Um... It says 2012. I don't remember this at all. You don't remember it? I remember this. Imagine you performing and you got photographed and you don't remember it. I've been on more stages than I could possibly count at this point. Uh, okay. Wow. This is more relevant to today. We but... finishing the album, I think. We're finishing the first album. This is in the studio by Sheriff. Hmm. Sheriff is... Um, yeah, Sheriff is a part of the team. Sheriff is the producer who gave you all the different And this song. All those things. Hey, <laughs> that was, um, uh, hmm. that's around the corner by me. What were you doing? A photo shoot for the people who make these suits. I would be oh. I was just playing fool with this flower. <laughs> I, 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 I was genuinely curious. Oh, ja. <laughs> right, most people don't know I spearfish. Um, I free dive. This is my first, this is fish is called a Kubera snapper. It's one of the most sought-after and elusive fish by spear fishermen. The fish was about 20 pounds. And it was my first fish this size. I remember seeing, I remember diving down. Me and um, my mentor, well, my, my diving mentor at the time, Mustak, we dive down there and there's like redfish all over. It's like all these boulders down like about 25 feet in the water, maybe more. And then this fish just comes out from behind a rock. And I just started diving probably like about four or five months. Mm -hmm. This thing is, like in the water, they look huge, you know? And then, you, well, we won't get into the rest. Well, how you got, got it? You use a fish line? Really? I shot it right there. With an actual gun? A spear gun. What's a spear gun? Like a pellet gun? It's a gun that has these bands attached to a shaft. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, like, a, like yeah. an arrow? It's kind of like a crossbow. Like technology. a crossbow. Very similar idea. I didn't even know they had so that. So this is just off a show though, on the North Coast. I think that's it. Days of days, boy. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, tell me, just tell me the last thing is your tattoo. That one. Tell me about it. Be too brave to lie. Um, this is a quote by uh, African-American inventor, George Washington Carver. He, um, hmm. this quote is like, if ever you feel, if ever I feel like I'm getting washed back down the river, this quote is like a big stone to kind of just brace yourself. Uh, because I feel like a lot of my childhood, um, and a lot of my life, a large portion of my life was spent lying in a way, meaning that I, I wasn't fully being myself. 
I wasn't saying the things I wanted to say. And most people might not think that that could possibly be true, but in so many ways it is. I feel that. You know what I mean? I've um, lied to my, not just lied to people, I've lied to myself. Yeah, and so this, this has been one of my most powerful tattoos because in every circumstance now it says, you know, you've now put this on your skin, mm -hmm. right? Like you take up a little piece of what God make and put this here. And it's here now. So every time I'm about to say something to someone, I weigh what I'm saying, you know? And that is something that obviously I've been doing before, but this kind of brings it home. And I feel like for, this is something that everyone could kind of take with themselves. You know, we say we're courageous about all kinds of things. Everybody big and bad. Everybody wants to shoot this one and kill that one and who could do this and who could stand up for themselves. But are you brave enough to not lie? That is where it is real yeah. bravery. So courage to me is the courage to be authentic. And to speak. Which goes back to what we were talking about. Your truth. Right? Because yeah. being authentic is what you is it's what you were made as. You know yeah. what I mean? So are you brave enough to be the God that you are? I think that is the perfect way to end. Boom. Are you brave enough to be the God that you are? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Soul Beauty. Keep up with me, Aruna Maharaj, as we redefine beauty one conversation at a time. We are so pleased to announce that this episode is now available on Digicel's apps, Go Loud and Playgo. Download now.